Welcome to Fit Food Junkies, addicted to health. My name is Emily E, and I'm a certified group fitness instructor and personal trainer. We will not only talk about fitness and nutrition, but also explore how to build a strong mindset, have ultimate motivation, and how to live life to its fullest. Let's start on our health and fitness journey together. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Fit Food Junkies. I am so excited for this episode today because we go over gut health. If you are feeling frustrated and stressed and stuck over your body, chronic health issues, a negative relationship with food, your skin, well, this episode is for you. We are going to talk to Noelle Lissette all about how to heal your gut and what's healthy may not be healthy for you. We're going to learn the top inflammatory foods and so much more. Noelle holds a master's in clinical nutrition science and is a certified integrative health coach. She's also the owner of LNA Wellness, a virtual wellness practice that has helped women in seven countries and counting heal chronic digestive weight skin issues and more naturally using a root cause approach. She is dedicated to helping people heal their bodies and their minds to feel aligned. Since learning how to heal herself, she is now extremely passionate about helping others do the same. I am so excited to welcome my amazing friend, Noelle. This girl is not only one of my amazing, true friends from college, we met in our nutrition class, I've worked with her personally, her on her Instagram, it says light and aligned, and that's just what she is. And so much more. I can't even tell you how excited I am to have this gem of a person on my podcast today. Noelle, welcome. Thank you so much, Emily. I think you might've overdid this intro, (laughs) (laughs) setting them up with too high expectations. Oh no, no, no. (laughs) But that is so sweet. And, um, I am so excited to talk with you and to think that we did meet in nutrition class. Isn't that very fitting. Very, very on brand fitting. for us. <laughs> very on brand. <laughs> Insane. Insane. I think how many years ago was that? That was that was like six, six years Five ago. Five or six. Five or six. Five or and six honestly, ago? I was thinking about it. There's many reasons at a big school like that why we wouldn't have stayed in contact. You know, like you meet so many different people and you're in so many different classes. I think it's a perfect example why certain things just happen for a reason. Like we always oh, yeah. kind of vibe and here we are talking and it's, it's pretty amazing to look back. And I also think we balance each other so well because Noelle <laughs> brings me, I, my word of this year is balanced and, you know, trying to reach that for a while. And Noelle <laughs> brings me to a balanced Zen zone and I'm excited for mm-hmm. her to share with her energy with you today. And you bring me the- the energy, the passion. It, it is a yin and yang. First of all, tell everyone about yourself and what you do. Sure. Okay. This is always a little bit of a tricky question for me. It's like, what is it that I do? I mean, on paper, I'm a clinical nutritionist, which essentially means I have my master's in personalized clinical nutrition, but that sounds so dry. And what I envision with that is like printing out a meal plan and making, you know, helping people lose weight. But really what I do, I specialize in gut issues, gut health for women. And so I take a more of a holistic approach to that. And over the past couple of years, I mean, I've kind of evolved into what 
my clients call me like a gut specialist, essentially, um, where I work as both a nutritionist, but also a coach in terms of helping women with chronic, not just gut issues. I mean, really any chronic health situation that they can't seem to remedy either allopathically, like traditional medicine or on their own, not because, you know, they're not trying hard enough, but just because one, there's so much information out there. And two, we are kind of living in like the wild west of wellness. So much frankly crap out there, you know, mixed in with some gold nuggets. So um, yeah, anyways, what I do is I help women essentially restore their health from a root cause approach um, instead of having them manage things long-term. And that's the goal. I, I love what you do. I love your passion behind it. First of all, I'd love to start by talking about your story and what got you into it. I think so many people normalize gut issues, normalize this on a daily basis, but you had a different, really hard journey that you were able to overcome. Mm. So can you tell us a little bit about what you went through to get to your passion to helping yeah, people? Yeah, of course. Um, I always kind of joke and say, you know, I did not pop out of the room passionate about gut health. <laughs> it's kind of a random thing. Um, but essentially, you know, I, I grew up in a family that ate pretty typical American meals. Um, nothing too extreme, but, you know, there was obviously fast food thrown in there, some home-cooked stuff. But my point in saying that it was pretty, pretty normal. But from a very young age, I'm talking like seven or eight, I would experience what I think people would call indigestion or having a sensitive stomach. I was always that kid where, you know, if I went to a birthday party, I would get sick, you know, after eating cake or something. Um, but it was, it wasn't bad enough to really be a cause for concern. You know, it's just like, oh, she has a sensitive stomach. Even then at that young age, though, I didn't feel comfortable in my body just never felt comfortable. I was also a little bit overweight as a little kid. Um, so all of that combined, never really felt well. Fast forward though, to like the early teens and I actually developed a severe eating disorder. And this is kind of an important part of this gut story. Um, I dealt with severe anorexia and a lot of people don't know that about me because I don't um, share that as often but anybody who knows that knows that severe you know malnourishment comes with that and without going too into detail into that I struggled with that for about three years in and out of inpatient hospitals and whatnot um, and I thank god recovered entered high school nothing was perfect with food in my body because obviously overcoming anorexia that it was it's just a very difficult mental space to be in then when I was about 15 really what felt random um I started to have reoccurrence of digestive issues and at first I didn't really think anything of it but it seemed like overnight I went from being able to eat anything I wanted to being extremely bloated, having a lot of pain after eating like yogurt, just and anything. Um, and really within a matter of months, I was unable to go to school because I was getting 
sick at both ways. It was really bad. And anyways, it's the middle of high school and I do what most people do. They go to the doctor and they go to get a referral to a gastroenterologist. And for about six months, I was getting bounced around to different doctors, all who gave me different diagnoses, which is pretty typical, you know, and, and they're doing their mm-hmm. best, of course, but it was very frustrating. I was losing weight dramatically, just was able to eat less and less. And I ended up with a diagnosis of gastroparesis, IBS, C, I had SIBO. Um, and anyways, after about nine months of this, I had all these diagnoses, but no real solution to feel better. There were some drugs that I could try to help with the gastroparesis, but every day became this battle between me and food and thus then how I felt. You know, when you can't eat, you don't have any energy, your mood drops, all these things. So essentially I went from being feeling normal again at 15 after the eating disorder to all of a sudden not able to eat, which you can imagine having overcome an eating disorder, people around you thinking that, oh, she just anorexic again, right? Completely unable to eat. And the pinnacle of it all was when I was 16, after a year of all of this, and I was going for a follow-up with my gastroenterologist and I was so underweight, so unable to digest anything that they wanted to put in a permanent feeding tube. Um, And- it's, I know in hindsight, it just, it's almost like, did that really happen? But it did. And I remember sitting there just thinking I was in a very low place, obviously. And I was actually doing school from home at that point. Um, thinking there's no way in H-E double toothpicks that I'm going to have a permanent feeding tube. Like this is not my life. Um, and I just got this, no pun intended, gut feeling that was, that was not going to be me. Um, but mind you, I didn't know anything. My family didn't know anything about natural solutions or holistic, any of that. In fact, at that time, if I were to have heard anything like diet related or just holistic in general, I would have laughed and I'll probably been offended at the thought that something natural could help such a severe situation. Flash forward a few months after this, you know, kind of warning for the feeding tube. And I'm just going to Dr. Google, Googling around as I would do every day as I'm doing school from home. And I started to read stories about women with chronic gut issues healing naturally. And though I didn't really have a lot of evidence or faith behind behind it, I was willing to do anything, really willing to do anything. And so that journey started as to just finding out what options there were in the natural space. And I probably tried out six or seven different practitioners before I landed on um, one woman who felt just very aligned, very knowledgeable, coming from a very sound, like evidence-based place. Um, But she was the first person who said, oh, you're not stuck like this. Bodies don't just break down for no reason. Mm. Your body's in a state of imbalance. And if you want to work on this together. I can't promise anything overnight, but um, we could probably get you up and running again. And 
I just kind of went with it. And long story short, after about three months of working in this holistic space, addressing diet, getting off medications that I apparently had didn't need, um, getting on some supplementation, and then really addressing what is pretty intangible, but the mind-body connection, stress, things from my past that were unresolved, my relationship with food, all of them together, within three months, my gastroparesis went away. Three months? As in, <laughs> okay, for, for just to think of this tangibly, the three months before when I, when I said it went away, I was living off of like ripe banana and some like rice cereal and almond milk. Like that's what I could stomach. In about three months, I was eating probably three meals a day, which was huge for me and eating some proteins again and being able to digest it without getting sick. And it was actually, I mean, pretty unbelievable, but had you gone through the process or had seen it, my fan went through it with me. It actually made total sense because we were going at it from the root um, mm. versus saying, oh, hey, you're, you have gastroparesis. How do we fix it? It's more like, why do we have gastroparesis in the first place? So anyways, the three months, I wasn't healed completely, but I was functioning again and had hope again. And so it took me probably a good two years to regain my full health where I wasn't worried about food anymore. And I knew my body, I knew what to eat. I didn't consider myself someone who had digestive issues. If I could get well, having all those things like stacked against me, the eating disorder, the just kind of a lot of um, stress from childhood, just all these different things that would make it difficult. If I can get better, anybody can get better. And that's when I just had to throw myself into, how do I make this a career? What do I need to study? And if I do, if, if I can, I'm going to dedicate my life to it because I have my life back, you know, and that's a long, a long winded way of me answering that question. What an inspiring story that you turned your biggest adversity in your life into not only changing and transforming your own life, but into utilizing it to help others. I would not be who I am. Right. I wouldn't have my same purpose in life had that not happened. So did it suck? Of course, but at the same time, I actually don't regret it. I mm. don't. It's a little yeah. controversial to say I don't regret it though. Um, and now a lot of the women that I work with, no matter what condition it is, I pretty much say the same thing when they're on the other side. And that's how I feel too, which is so interesting because I've dealt with a lot of chronic um, gut issues my whole life mm. and pain. And, and it's crazy because I there's so many different avenues to look at it. Like, Oh, I hate that this happened to me, but you can also see how it makes you stronger. makes me also more willing and wanting to help others going through it and makes me more interested in healing myself and in nutrition and food. And like a lot of my passions mm -hmm. I have today are because of it. Growing up, I would eat foods. I didn't know what was causing my pains. And I would be in the most intense pain every single day, like a sore oh literally in your stomach from pain. Mm. So painful. And it's like growing up, they tell you, oh, you have IBS. Oh, you need to go on this medicine. Oh, low, low FODMAP diet. And if you're listening and you're like, oh my God, I've been there. I've been to every dog. Well, you're listening to the right episode because you're talking to two girls who have been through it all, especially Noelle. You have this quote that says, don't allow yourself to normalize not feeling good in your body most of the time. The fatigue, brain fog, bloating, hormone imbalances, weight gain, anxiety, et cetera, may be common in our imbalanced society 
but common does not mean it is your natural state of well-being. You don't have to settle mm-hmm. for common. So what does that mean to you? And why do people think this is normal? Feeling chronically crappy, even if that's been something you've dealt with for a long time, that doesn't mean that's how your body is designed to run, right? In terms of what I mean by that quote, you know, we have to look at it from the point of view of our bodies, you know, we come into this world with, to varying degrees, different degrees of health due to genetics. Some people are more prone to developing certain things. We get that. But we now know that the large majority, I don't know the exact stats, so I'm not going to put it out there. The large majority of these chronic situations, whether it's digestive issues, whether it's mood, even mental health issues, weight issues, are lifestyle imposed. But what a lot of people think when they hear that is they think that I'm blaming them for it. Like, hey, it was your lifestyle that did this to you. And that doesn't feel good. That's not what I mean. Lifestyle includes what you're exposed to, Mm. what your environment is like. You can't help how you grew up. You know, you can't help what foods you were given as a child. You can't even help necessarily where you live sometimes. But these are also part of the picture. We live in environments. We are exposed to things. Over our own like just journey being becoming an adult, we we encounter different stressors and different relationships with food that set us up, set our bodies up to potentially develop an imbalance. You know, we're not living in the same environments that our ancestors were. We had different kinds of stressors. Today, we have low-grade stress from all areas. So we can't really expect our bodies to run optimally Hmm. if we are living in an environment that they were not designed to function optimally in. So what is becoming the norm, aka just very common, is our bodies just trying to cope the best they can and everybody expressing those imbalances differently. For you and I might be digestive issues. For somebody else, it is an autoimmune condition like psoriasis. For somebody else, you know, it is um, stubborn weight that's coming on for inflammation-based issues, right? Um, For expressing them differently. And because it's becoming so common, we're mistaking that commonality for normalcy, as in that's just the way it is. When really it's just, we're looking around and, and getting confirmation that, oh, well, they have it. Okay, I guess that's fine. No, no, no. That's just because of the state of our environment. Gut health is almost like the source of your <laughs> entire being. It's like, if you mm. don't have a healthy gut, you're going to probably see skin breakouts. You might see weight gain. Maybe you'll have more anxiety, pain, different health conditions will arise. And I think it's interesting that a lot of people cover up. And that's why I love your story about you overcoming your disease by seeing a holistic practitioner and going more that route. Because I took my favorite class that I ever took in college was intro to traditional Eastern medicine and, and nutrition. That was also one of my favorites, but my Eastern medicine class was so interesting because it talked about instead of covering up and I'm not saying I'm against Western medicine, obviously Western Mm medicine is incredible, but I'm saying a lot of the focus of Western medicine is treatment versus Eastern is focused on prevention. Let's look at the foundations. Let's look at the cause of what is 
allowing this issue to arise. And I think it really does start in the gut and maybe some people ignore it or don't think that that's the source of their issues, but many, many times it is. And the second you start to heal and focus on healing that part of you, you're going to notice a lot of your other parts of you begin to heal as well. Absolutely. And I'm glad you brought that up because I didn't emphasize on telling my story. The obvious issue I was dealing with at that point was the gut issues, you know, and I felt them. So it was easy for me to say, hey, this is a gut issue. That being said, I was also dealing with diagnosed generalized anxiety disorder, clinical depression. I had eczema. I had had my entire life, Um, a terrible relationship with food and just this chronic fatigue as a teenager that you know, when you say you're tired as a teenager, people just kind of like roll your eyes, like, come on, this is you're tired about with chronic fatigue. And through my gut healing journey, I was able to get off my antidepressants, mm. my anxieties, and my eczema completely disappeared. At the yeah. time, I had no idea why. I just knew I was feeling better. But now we know, and now I know, that our microbiome, which is that community of organisms in our gut, really is the epicenter of our health. Hmm. And if you haven't heard this before, you know, don't feel like out, you're out of the loop because frankly, it is a bit of a new development in the health sphere. But I, I tell my clients and um, just people around me, you know, give it, give it about five or 10 years and there'll be a lot more hype around the gut in terms of these other situations that you may be dealing with, like adult acne or weight gain. Um, but it just takes a while for the research to translate into, you know, actual tangible clinical um, protocols. um, And with that, which can be quite frustrating, but the cool thing about the holistic side is we don't really wait. (laughs) We don't wait for things to, you know, get published enough times. If we see the correlation, Mm -hmm. then we'll go for it. But I um, want to touch upon bloating and IBS. If you don't know what IBS is, it's irritable bowel syndrome. One Mm -hmm. of the most common sources of illnesses that you'll see across, especially women. You are so right. Um, It is one of the most common digestive issues that we see. I want to share something that Noelle taught me. One of the main aspects that she taught me that has helped healed me is warming up my foods. I remember it was one of the first things (laughs) that you taught me and I would eat salads every (gasps) single day kale and like raw vegetables, (laughs) raw, 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 raw foods. And and I would literally feel sick to my stomach after eating. I can't even tell you how sick, how much pain I was. Like I wanted to cry every single day. And I had a kale, spinach, raw vegetable, healthy, healthy air quotes salad. And she taught me what is healthy may not be healthy for you. And that's the individualized approach that also Eastern medicine, that holistic medicine takes. Ever since she's taught me that, you know, maybe kale is healthy for you, but maybe my body can't process that. I'm now able to a little bit more than I used to, but my salads, as weird as it may be, like I warm them up in the microwave or like on the stove or something like that. I mean, I'm now on that healing journey where I can tolerate it more than I used to be able to, or, um, as long as it's not too raw of vegetables or, you know, when you even taught me like 
maybe adding some rice or, or something warm that you can handle and process. So I love for you to touch upon that idea of what's healthy in general coined to the population might not be healthy for you as an individual, individualized approach. Sure, sure. And I remember that time when we were working together and I think it's so relatable. So many health-minded women, women who genuinely just want to feel their best are eating these huge salads for lunch, snacking on raw veggies, these things that we've been taught are just no questions asked healthy. But I'm just going to clear this up specifically first. We didn't evolve eating big salads. Mm. Like our ancestors were not sitting around eating huge salads. <laughs> Usually the amount of vegetables they'd be eating, you know, it's whatever they find, these little bits and more starchy carbs or protein was more of that, that base. Of course, it depends on the region, but I just want to clarify that's like, we've never even evolved eating humongous salads for lunch. That's kind of a new development. So the fact that our bodies can't process them, or if you feel bloated after you eat one, that's not your fault. It's just, I don't think what we were designed to do, but answering your question about what may be healthy for one person and not healthy for another, really, it's this idea that we are all individuals. I think we all know that, but I think we forget that in terms of what our needs may be with food, the diet industry, the fitness industry, the health industry, the industries that I love have done a really good job at using marketing to say that there's a certain way to do things. And it just kind of depends on the year. One year, it's the vegan year. That's got to be good. And if it's good for so-and-so on the cover of the magazine and she looks glowing like a goddess and her hair's down to the floor and she's the perfect weight, then it must be good for everybody. We now know that our genetics, our microbiome, the way that our bodies have been set up due to our own experiences play a very big role in what is going to be right for us. None of us are designed exactly the same. Really our diet should be like thumbprints based off of, like I said, our microbiome, which I mentioned earlier is that community in our gut, as well as your know, ancestry, what, we, what our ancestors grew up eating, right? So we really have to move away from the model of, oh, I heard salads are healthy, so I should eat a salad. No, you should ask yourself, how do you feel after you eat a salad? If you don't feel well after eating a salad, well, that doesn't necessarily mean you can't eat salads, but that may not be what you want to be having every day. And taking, pulling back the onion one layer back, why can't you eat salads would be another question if you know you don't want to cut it out. And usually there's some underlying imbalance there. Like you were saying, you can tolerate things better these days. But diet nutrition, it's not a one size fits all by any means. And that in and of itself, knowing that can save you a lot of turmoil. If you're trying to DIY your health right now, and you're trying on all these diets like hats, I get it. You're trying to grasp for something. I was there. We've been there. But if you're searching for you know, the blueprint that worked for so-and-so to work for you, you're kind of setting yourself up for failure. It's okay to follow a plan loosely when it comes to really finding your groove, really rebalancing, you're going to have to do some fine tuning 
based off of how your own body is responding. It's so interesting. And the second I learned that, I was like, boom, this is like the secret (laughs) sauce to healing your gut. And it's a journey. What would you say that you see are the top inflammatory foods that you would say people, I'm not saying people should stay away from, because again, we just Mm -hmm. talked about how everyone's different, but I guess the most common foods that you see across women that you work with that cause inflammation in their bodies. Sure, sure. And I think some of these may surprise you. Um, Some may be more obvious. All right, drum roll. Let's get it. (laughs) Let's go. I'll start off by saying that, you know, the majority of women who come to work with me are eating on the healthier side already. Right. Right. And so I say that because if that were not the case, um, if you were, you know, eating fast food regularly, um, eating takeout most of the time, no shame towards that, but that would be one of the first things I would say. Processed foods, inflammatory food, I mean, um, fast foods, those are overtly inflammatory, right? But if, if we know that, and that's obvious, then in a typical diet, number one is dairy, whether or not you're lactose intolerant. So a lot of women will say, oh, well, I'm not lactose intolerant, and I only have a little bit of dairy. But the issue is we can be sensitive to not just the lactose in dairy, but also the protein, like casein protein that's in dairy, which can cause the inflammation. So dairy in general tends to be a major trigger. Um, Second to that would probably be gluten. And I'm sure that there's some out there is like, oh, you know, really is gluten really an issue? And actually, I don't really think that it's bread or gluten in and of itself that's a problem, but more so um, the foods that it's found in that cause the issue. Like a lot of the um, breads and cereals and granolas and protein bars um, have forms of gluten that's just highly processed that is not in its more natural state. So gluten tends to be an issue. But then after that, I would say what's surprising is vegetables. And I, and I usually get like a mouth drop and eyes go wide when I say that. And I need to be super clear about this. Like you framed this. I'm not saying vegetables are bad, but the quantity that we eat at a time makes a huge difference in how we can digest them. Eating lots of raw vegetables can be a big trigger for people, as well as whether or not those vegetables are organic. And if this were me a few years ago, I would have raised my eyebrows to really like organic, does that really make a difference? Well, what is sprayed on our foods, specifically glyphosate? We ingest that, that's sprayed on a lot of vegetables, a lot of produce. When we ingest that, that in and of itself can be very inflammatory. So it's not even the vegetables itself, but it is the stuff that's getting sprayed on our vegetables that then cause a domino effect of inflammation, um, gut microbiome issues, and then overall digestive issue because of these substances we're intaking. So I would say, yeah, those top three are top triggers. But what's Mm -hmm. interesting is when I work with women and we really try to repair the digestive process, a lot of women are able to bring back, bring those foods back in. Yeah. 
it's in true. quantities that work for them, right? Um, versus saying, oh, you can't have those foods. No, it's more of, well, let's cut back on those now and let's try to repair your digestion a little bit, reduce some of that inflammation and then re-reintroduce these mm. foods to see if they're true triggers or if you were just you know, so inflamed that your body was reacting to everything. A lot of cruciferous vegetables as well, like broccoli, cauliflower, I know causes a lot of pain in many people as well. Absolutely. And, and that's one of the first things, you know, if you're out there listening and you suffer from feeling bloated all the time and you consider yourself a pretty healthy person to give yourself some relief from that bloating feeling, I would say, try cutting down on those cruciferous vegetables that you just mentioned, Emily, the broccoli, the Brussels sprouts, the cauliflower. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one, one vegetable that is not cruciferous, but it's a FODMAP, onion, gives a lot of people issues. I was just going to so say, you- I can't eat onion. <laughs> it's crazy. Right. No. And, and if you just take those out to give yourself a little bit of a break, you may notice a decrease in your bloating. Um, that's not really getting at the root of everything, but it will absolutely make you more comfortable. Yeah. And I, I remember you taught me this too. It's like, think of the texture of food. If it's hard, I even saw this video one time. It's like, if you, you know, now it's different for both of us because it, it, obviously even more so you, but we're on that healing journey or your post healing mm-hmm. journey where you can eat a lot of those things where you used to not be able to eat. But I saw this video, especially when you're in the beginning of your healing journey, journey, if you can't smush something with your spoon and like, or fork and like press it down and have it smushed, your body's going to have a really hard time digesting and breaking down that food. So think about that when you're trying to heal your gut, which I think is a really interesting concept. That is such a good point. Um, and I think visuals are really helpful for people. When I start working with a woman who's dealing with like the worst digestive issues and she does eat either plant-based or just like a lot of vegetables, I like to remind them that your digestive tract is a soft pink tube. (laughs) And when you just picture that, a soft pink tube, and then you think of all the kale that you're shoving down there, or just the raw nuts and seeds, without even knowing how the digestive process works, you can kind of come to the conclusion that, ooh, that's going to be rough. Yeah. How do you feel about eggs and corn? Because I know those are two other sometimes inflammatory foods for people. Yeah. So honestly, corn seems to be less of an issue with clients that work with the digestive issues, mm-hmm. but more so when someone's dealing with an autoimmune condition, mm. why we don't know. And I don't know, but there is um, suspicion around the fact that most corn is GMO. Right. And, you know, I am not going to kind of put my stance out there on that because I'm not super firm in it, but I do see correlation. The fact that this food is not getting processed well or people having reactions to it. But then as for eggs, I would say eggs are a super, super, super nutrient dense food. If we look at them objectively, forget about your body for a second. They're super nutrient dense and we've been eating them for quite some time in human history. But again, things have changed the way that chickens, the way that are, that, that things are getting raised, what they're eating to produce these eggs, what ends up in those eggs, not just, you know, grass and bugs. This is processed food that they're getting fed. And so that's what's in our eggs. 
we have to think beyond just the food itself or what did our food eat? Right. And so basically answer your question, eggs do tend to be a sensitivity for a lot of people, not everybody, but a sensitivity. They are one of the foods that do end up getting retolerated quite well though, yeah. once the digestive lining is kind of repaired. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, those are, those are two other foods that definitely give some people issues. Someone told me that um, pasteurized eggs, you may have a easier time digesting. One interesting thing about me, for example, is if it's mm. raw yolk, like a sunny side up or any like raw yolk, I will be sick. But if it's cooked, I'm fine. You're fine. So interesting. That is super interesting. And like such a beautiful example of that bio-individuality. Right. Uniqueness. It's like, that's so specific to you. Had you not forced yourself to get in tune with yeah. beyond just, oh, are eggs good or bad? But how do I feel? Clearly it's not your superfood, you know? Right. And it's like, wow, you can avoid that now, but then you can have them cooked. One thing that Noel focuses on that I, again, goes off of that holistic approach is that you don't count calories when you work with her. You don't count macros when you work with her. You focus on how you feel. And she had me make a list of foods, kind of what I would eat. And it wasn't about focusing on any anything numerical, like anything, any mm. quantitative data, but it was focusing on making a list of the foods and how it triggered you, how it made you feel and kind of taking one by one yeah, okay, maybe it's not going to be easy at first. For example, eggs. Okay, maybe you want to have eggs with something else, but when you start having it just on its own and seeing what exactly in the egg is causing you to have inflammation or any pain. So I think I love that you focus on that too, because it's not like, okay, you have this amount of calories, this amount of macros to hit. And it causes a lot of anxiety for people. You, you just mm. focus on this holistic fashion of how does this food make you feel? Not if this is a healthy food. This is what you need to hit. This is what you need to eat to hit your macros, hit your daily calorie expenditure, all of that. Exactly. No, exactly. And, and, and I think it really depends on like what condition I'm working with, but aside from gut issues, a lot of women are struggling with what I call stubborn weight, mm. you know, and, and not from a, a place of vanity, not from a place of, Oh, I need a six pack, but carrying weight on their bodies that doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like they belong. Like it belongs. That's what I hear all the time. Like this layer of, of puff. And what we tend to resort to, um, what I grew up thinking is you just count your calories, you eat less, you move more. But we know now that weight has to do with so much more than just the number side of things and how much we're moving. It has a lot more to do with hormones, inflammation, and stress. Than it does to do with that. So that's really at the root of why I don't love counting calories and macros, my clients, because usually when I work with somebody, they've already done that yeah, and it hasn't worked. And then we have to ask why. What is kind of your main focus when you start off with clients to reaching weight loss goals for people undergoing stomach issues? Sure. So, I mean, it is really important to bring up that a lot of women who suffer from digestive issues do have eating disorder or have dealt with disordered eating. Usually when I start working with somebody, they feel like they're the only one struggling with both, but really it's quite common. So you're mm. absolutely not alone there. But my approach with this, when there's two goals, 
the goal of, I don't want to feel sick every day. I don't want to feel bloated and heavy and awful, but I also want to release some of this weight that makes me feel weighed down and doesn't feel like my body. We always start with repairing the gut. And how we do that is one, before we're changing anything diet related or supplement related, we have to make the agreement that we're going to see this journey as an opportunity to heal versus that we're going to fix something. So many women are always in fix it mode. If they just fix this, they'll be better. And going in with that mentality is very stressful. So we start off with saying, hey, we don't need to fix anything. You are perfect. Who you are is perfect. You're just experiencing an imbalance. So let's just get on the same page there. This is going to be an opportunity for both of us to help you realign with yourself, right? So that's where we start. But then in terms of actually getting this weight off and we got, we cannot get the weight off if it's inflammation-based or if it's hormone-based, if your gut is a mess. Mm. So the first thing that we do is we try to reduce the stress on the gut by first removing any overt triggers that that person may have, which that's usually hard to identify on your own, but it can be done. We do that using a process like a food symptom journal, as well as just, you know, if they can't identify any on their own, removing the top triggers, doing that, and then getting them on a very, very simple meal plan, for lack of a better word. Nothing that, you know, yes, very, very simple. I mean, you all you have to do is know how to use a microwave. Um, you do not have to become a vegan chef to start healing your gut, right? But simplifying meals and getting back to basics in terms of meal timing, not snacking all the time, looking at sleep, and also adding in digestive support. So this is important. Though I am a clinical nutritionist, um, and food is often like food heals. Well, actually. When the body's in such a state of imbalance, food is often not enough. And that's where supplementation can come in. So we usually add in some kind of supplementation to help the digestive process. What happens when we do that, when we remove triggers, we're now eating in a simple way and we have this digestive support, levels of inflammation start to go down. Well, inflammation and stress. So when both of those are going down, that's when the body's in a safe place to say, okay, we can start releasing. And I'm not talking about the scientific mechanisms here, but just more of the high overview of how this works. So we start with the gut first. What's interesting and maybe a little bit TMI, but I think is probably beneficial. If you're constipated, you know, if you're not going every day, you're probably going to experience a weight issue as well. So when we can get someone going every day, day and going in a normal way that says a lot about their metabolism a lot about the state of their microbiome and that's really the catalyst for everything but then once the gut is running what's interesting is what we usually uncover is that a lot of the foods they were eating before and the ways that they were eating rushed eating more than they thought they were eating snacking more than they thought using food as a crutch um, for whatever it is, in a really non-judgmental way, we start to see that there were these factors that were contributing to this weight, right? That was in their control, but they couldn't see because they were kind of caught in the tornado of everything feeling off, right? So 
when we simplified that diet, we actually like easily and naturally got rid of some of the excessive snacking. Mm. Obviously, some of these foods that are causing inflammation, which will cause your body to hold onto weight. We normalize their eating patterns. You're eating in terms of your circadian rhythm, which is going to support your hormones, which is going to support your weight. So we did all of this by just simplifying things from the get-go. But then what's also interesting is women tend to continue to release weight the more and more um, consistent that they get with their gut health. And what I mean by that is when they're no longer experiencing the stress of never knowing how they're going to feel, what to eat, any of that, well, the less emotional stress they have. And when we're less emotionally stressed, we tend to eat better. We genuinely feel better. And that's all influencing our hormones and what and whatnot there. But then also, I think it's important to bring up the fact that when we've been in that state of chronic digestive issues and trying to release weight, oftentimes we're also trying to move our bodies a lot and trying to get the weight off of exercise. I am just as much a proponent of exercise as any other person who knows the benefits of exercise. But what's interesting is that exercise is a stressor on the body. And we underestimate how much of a stressor it is. When I work with somebody, I usually end up helping them scale back their exercise rather than increase it because they usually are in a place where they're trying everything. So they're busting their butt in the gym or just trying to move their bodies more, only creating more stress and thus creating another barrier for them to lose weight. So we actually reduce their stress further by reducing their exercise. And women are shocked when we do these three things and the weight starts coming off Mm. and they're doing less. Um, and it, it's, it's, it's amazing to see, and it's very counterintuitive right. and it also takes a lot of trust. I know that when I was going through all of this myself, the idea of exercising less and eating more carbs and doing these stress reduction things just didn't seem to logically make sense. Um, but once you start seeing it and start seeing that weight come off, feeling less inflamed, feeling better then it's kind of easier to go with. But I totally get it. if you're listening right now thinking, wait a minute, work out less. How is that going to work? It, 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 it does. <laughs> well, when you told me that, I was like, Noel, that is my life. What are you saying? Like, this is crazy. And it's interesting because I think myself, I think of how I used to be. I would teach 6 a.m. classes, then work all day, then teach again. I would teach like back to back hit, then cycling and no sleep. I didn't really think in my head, I was like, I'm grinding. I am doing these intense workouts every day. And Noelle's taught me a lot about balance that it's okay to still do some of those intense workouts. If that's what you love. And that's, that's what makes you feel strong, but maybe doing them less in terms of the amount of time you're doing it in your workout or the quantity of times per week. So ever since I've worked with Noelle, I've been really cognizant of like, okay, today I did a hit workout. Like that fuels me. I love it. Or maybe I teach cycling mm-hmm. in a couple of days. That's awesome. But I need to balance my body with yoga this week, walking this week at the same time, counteracting the workout as well, because 
I think, listen, I'm, I'm never going to take that away because that's what I love, but it's like, she's taught me about balance is if less is more that you don't have to go over the top and do these crazy intense workouts every day. You can still do them, but balance it out with other exercises to reach that state of balancing your body as well. Absolutely. And, um, it's, it's even harder now, I think for us who live in a world where social media is telling us this workout plan is going to be great. This person who has a six pack is doing this and that and this and that. And it's easy to think that that's the formula, but most of those situations are, you know, one in a hundred thousand where their bodies respond really well to that. And then you can end up in a place where your body's super stressed. And yeah, like you said, it, it, it won't release weight, but, um, I'm so glad that you were able to kind of find your balance and still be able to honor what your passions are. Because really, it's not about trying to swing to the other extreme where you can only do yoga now and only go on walks. Um, Finding that balance, I think, is the tricky part because we like, humans like clear-cut rules. We tend to operate in extremes. The balance is the difficult part, but it's it's so nice to hear that that's something that, you know, has helped. Yeah, and it, it translates across so many levels too. It's like if you have an imbalance of hormones, whether it's thyroid issues or you have PCOS, which is polycystic ovary syndrome, which I think is like one in five females where their hormones are so imbalanced. I think, you know, and incredibly and, common now. Oh, yeah. Coming from me, who's like the biggest fit junkie and actually feeling it and realizing that less is more, not saying not to do obviously still work out, still do the things that you love, still move your body but balancing it out and you're going to notice a difference. Totally. And, and I, if I could just add, you know, I think if that concept is new to you or you're deep in fitness and you're not where you want to be with your body, what helped me, you know, before I got my degree in this stuff, I mean, just when you're in that researching stage yourself is starting to do a little bit of basic research on the science of things. Yeah, Because I am the kind of person where it's like, unless I understand logically what's going on in my body, somebody telling me to work out less or eat carbs, it, it won't, it won't register. But when you start to understand just the basics of female physiology, it starts to make sense. So I just want to put that out there. And there's so many resources on YouTube even. And of course you have to be careful who you listen to. But there are a lot of resources out there and not to not be afraid of diving into a little bit of science. Mm. Just so you feel like there's a little bit more ground to stand on when you make the decisions for your body about movement and about diet and whatnot. Yeah. And it's so interesting because cortisol, your stress hormone, it's like, you have gut issues, cortisol's high, and that's going to cause inflammation and weight gain in your body. And exercise is amazing, but that's going to increase your cortisol as well. So that's why there needs to be a balance in that realm, because if not, your inflammation is always going to be so high. So I think it's the most eye-opening perspective I've ever learned in my life. <laughs> no, absolutely. And and what, what, what I will say, because you keep bringing up cortisol, it's making me think, Cortisol gets a lot of shade, but for women, another big hormone kind of issue that has to do with that whole stress thing that prevents weight loss is estrogen dominance um, and having too low of progesterone levels. And just like with cortisol, when, when our cortisol is chronically elevated, inflammation is there and it makes it difficult to lose weight. When we're chronically stressed, 
we tend to um, produce less progesterone causing an imbalance in estrogen. And estrogen, though it's a beautiful hormone that makes us women, when it's out of balance with progesterone, it's gonna make us feel puffy. It's gonna make us hold onto water weight. It can give us menstrual issues. So that's another one to um, throw in there. It's not all cortisol. There is a progesterone estrogen mm. balance thing there that can often be the missing link for some women. Who right. feel like, oh, I'm calm. But you know, if your estrogen's too high, you're not gonna lose that weight. Excuse no, my nerding out. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to need to do a second episode with you because I could literally talk to you for days. You've no idea you how interested I am in this topic and how knowledgeable you are. So I just thank you so much. I want to know how people can find you and work with you. Oh, you're so sweet. And I have to say, just thank you for having me. And it is so energizing to talk to you really, and giving me the space to tell my story, because um, I know that that can give other people permission to reach out for help. But in terms of reaching me, you can find me most actively on Instagram. And my handle is at L.A. Noel Lissette, which just stands for Light and Aligned Noel Lissette. And that's really where you'll find all of my links a link to my website, a link to my coaching program. Um, and don't be shy. You can always just DM me and just get to know me a little bit. I love connecting and um, yeah, that's there. I love it. Work with her. You will not regret it. She's <laughs> incredible, but we'll focus on the foundations and the center of your issues and, and help you in your healing journey. I want to ask you my last and final question. <laughs> I want to talk to you for hours more, but sure. here at Fit Food Junkies, our motto is addicted to health. So Noelle, oh, what are that. you addicted to? What am I addicted to? Mm, and it, Okay. Does it have to be health related or I mean, it could is be, it something current? Like what am I currently addicted to? I have so anything. many things coming to my head. It could be anything. It'd be a few. I am addicted to, it's going to sound weird, connecting. Connecting. Used to be a very, very shy, kind of insecure person. I think it had a lot to do with me not understanding my body and not understanding my own health and whatnot, and that prevented me from connecting. And I feel like a big part of feeling good in our bodies, of feeling grounded and feeling healthy is feeling like you're connected to others in a really meaningful way. And so um, I would say I'm just addicted to talking to other women, whether it's about health issues or not, and bringing us back home to the fact we're all dealing with something, we're all on the same team, and um, just just creating more deep connections. That's what I'm addicted to. I love your addiction so much. Noelle, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. It was such a privilege. I'm sending you a hug through the screen and I have to see oh, you very soon. Okay. Please connect with Noelle. And Noelle, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much and so much love for you. Whether you came on this episode for knowledge and education or you too are going through some chronic health issues, I hope you got so much out of this episode today. I cannot vouch for Noelle enough. I can't tell you how much she's helped me. So work with her. She's incredible. Connect with her on Instagram. Connect with me as well. We'd love to hear what you got out of this episode today. 
And I am so excited that you are joining the Fit Food Junkies journey with me.